Hello. Good morning. Hi, Don. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you. All right. I'm glad that we finally got to connect. So it's like yeah. Sometimes these things, it's all good. It happens. Um, I mean, and if I'm just gonna tell you right now, if it cuts out, just stay on your line, and I will send you another link. Because sometimes on Anchor, it has a tendency to drop. So um, don't be freaked out if it does. I'll just send you another link, and then we'll just start back up where we stopped at. Okay. Okay, great. Thank All you. Right. You're welcome. Okay, so let's just um, give a brief overview of your life. And um, and you do, do you have a mental health diagnosis or are you just involved in it because of something that happened within your life so that the audience has an idea as to how it is that you fit into, our, fit into the community of mental health? Yeah, so I used to struggle a lot with anxiety and depression. And so that's what got me into this world. Um, but currently, I've I've been doing a lot of um, healing work, and so I don't struggle with that so much these days. But I've become really passionate about um, fighting for a system that helps people more than the one we currently have. So were you um, – so you're Generation Z, so I'm not going to give out an age, but you're under the age of 25. We'll go with that, right? Yeah, I am. <laughs> in your experience, um, did you have a hard time getting mental health uh, resources for yourself, or is it just that you've seen people struggle to get help that um, should have been easily accessible to them? Yeah, I've seen a lot of people I love and care about struggle to have access to effective mental health resources, and I was really privileged in my life to have access. I ended up um, going to a long-term treatment center in high school for what I was struggling with. And that really helped me change my life. And so after having that experience, I just realized that there are so many resources out there to help folks, but they're not as accessible as they need to be. And so I'm actually currently a college student and I'm in a really amazing program where I get to design my own major and what I'm designing it around is trauma, resilience, and integrative and accessible mental health resources, because I'm really focused on designing community groups that bring these resources to people and make them accessible. Wow. Where are you going to school? I'm at Western there. Washington University. In so Washington. I'm, yeah, in Washington State. That's cool. Trauma resilience. Now, that's kind of interesting because my last guest I just had on, he was all about um, resilience as well. So what exactly does that encompass on this major that you're creating, which I think is totally cool. So trauma resilience, how do you, so explain to people what that actually means. We went over what the meaning of the word resilience means last time when I had my interview on. Um, so if I can find, I can't find his interview right now. But let's just explain to my audience what that means to you. Yeah, so when I think about resilience, I think about adversity. And these are adversities, anything from something that happens every day to some larger traumatic event. And when I think about resilience, I think about having skills and coping mechanisms um, to be a buffer against the toxic stress that can build up in the body as a chemical reaction from adversity. And there's so much research coming out about 
they call them ACEs, but adverse childhood experiences and the way that adverse childhood experiences create a chemical reaction in the body of children and they're calling this reaction toxic stress but this reaction has such a um has such an impact on the body that it begins to affect both physical and mental health and so what i think about resilience um resilience is coping strategies and it, resilience can be human connection it can be anything that brings us back to the present moment and keeps us from living in that place of prolonged trauma and so as I'm developing this major um, I'm studying psychology with an emphasis on early childhood development I'm looking at somatic psychology so that's in reference to the body mind and I'm looking at neuroscience and looking at this cutting edge research um, and then I'm also focused on community health and the transformative arts so using the arts in a therapeutic context damn you're a busy girl <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing because um, CPTSD seems to be like a new kind of go-to diagnosis, which I think we've always had CPTSD, but it just didn't have a name to it. It was just kind of encumbered into the whole PTSD, um, you know, uh, name. But um, it seems now that people are actually trying, starting to look into childhood trauma uh, way more importantly than they ever did before. So on your emphasis, are you going to actually be helping children or is it more of an after-the-fact type of thing to try to, to try to help them after the trauma has occurred? So both. My dream would be to create and design programs that get facilitated in early education settings to hopefully give kids tools for resilience before they even really face much adversity at all. But then also... Um, helping kids who've already experienced trauma as well. But my my goal is to design something that's, because we can't, we, so trauma and adversity, that's something in life that it's never gonna go away and it's not something that we can control all the time. But my idea is that if we have the skills from a young age to know how to cope, that is what's life-changing. And so that's what I wanna bring to kids. So this could be kind of like a, preeminent strike like I don't know what what group of age kids that you'd be like considering to help but just be like a primitive strike that might happen like as an after school type thing where you could give the kids the tools prior to being faced with you know traumas where maybe they could cope a little bit better with it and not be so affected yeah exactly and the particular age group that I want to work with is you know the the neuroscience is showing that when it comes to age seven, age seven is when kids begin to have really like lasting impacts of adversity if they've already experienced it. And the formation of self-limiting beliefs um, is also, it peaks at seven, like that's when things get stored in the body for the first real time. And so I would love to work with kids before the age of seven, um, specifically to work on prevention Right. That's amazing. Have you um have you heard of the class The Science of Happiness through Berkeley? I have not. Actually, yeah, I think I have. That sounds yeah, familiar. I would I would look into it. I took it for free a couple uh, actually like last year when I came out of um I had two massive nervous breakdowns last year. So when I came out of my second nervous breakdown, I took the Science of Happiness course because I could not figure out 
how to be happy or if I'd ever been happy in my life. Yeah. And it goes a lot into like the neuroplasticity of rewiring your brain yes. and, um, you know, the whole limbic system mm-hmm. thing of how our bodies adjust to stress and stuff like that. Um, and it has a whole section on kids. And um, I think that it might just like pad, kind of like pad your resume a little bit. Um, I know you're busy in school right now and all, but like when you take a break for a semester or something, um, I think it could seriously benefit you with this major that you're creating for yourself. So um, just look into it. You can take it on edX for free. So you don't have to worry about anything. Oh, wow. Thank you. you. Just like, yeah, you're welcome. That sounds amazing. I I found it. It is an amazing class. And I mean, it's, it's not easy. I want to tell you because it's through Berkeley. So it's not (laughs) like it's a, you know, your basic online class. Like, (laughs) close your eyes and take it but um I found it to be totally amazing not and I never realized quite how much our bodies have to do with our emotional um you know with our emotions so um just you know just for you to I think it would actually help you it would just it would just already like pad what you're already learning and stuff like that because you seem like an extremely smart girl so <laughs> thank you um you're welcome so um yeah, I'm 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 impressed. You're um, you're kind of blowing me away a little bit here. <laughs> so, when, <laughs> so your mental health diagnosis. How old were you when you um, discovered that like this depression and anxiety was affecting your life in a negative way? Yeah, you know it was really interesting because I, um, the the real like terminology of anxiety and depression came into my life. Um, I'm it's maybe like a freshman or a sophomore in high school but then looking back now it's like I've been anxious since I was in kindergarten um and but I just didn't know that that wasn't like quote-unquote normal like I didn't know there was another way to be um and so I finally got some language for it um as a teenager and from there it really it really helped uh to understand that while what I was struggling with was a part of me, that wasn't all of who I was and that there were other things, there were things I could do to improve my life once I knew what was holding me back in a sense. And so I ended up delving in to a lot of trauma work and doing um, just a lot of work on, ultimately it always came back to self-love and it was just, it was work that included writing music um, because tapping into my creativity was a huge part of my healing process. And that also really changed my life. So you don't have, you're not diagnosed bipolar though, right? I'm, or, um, manic I'm not. Are you? I'm not. So how did your anxiety present itself for any of my listeners that are parents who might be struggling with a child who seems to be, you know, out of control, but may actually have a mental health diagnosis that they haven't received yet. Yeah. Well, the way it manifested for me is that I was really, really high strung. Um, I was really like, I had to be in control of everything. And, you know, the way I presented myself on the outside, it wasn't, it wasn't the typical or like the kind of cliche look of anxiety or depression. Like, the way that my struggles manifested was like, I wore so many masks and I wore them really well. So I was like presenting as kind of that perfect girl all the time. Um, 
And so like perfect grades, attendance, looked like I had a lot of friends, you know, I was like um, very active outside of school. But meanwhile, doing that, it was like, I always felt sick. Like it showed up so much in my body. I felt sick all the time. Like my stomach hurt. That was where all my anxiety would show up. Um, I had panic attacks a lot. And I um, was also, even when I was out in the world, like quote unquote achieving, um, (laughs) I felt horrible. And I just felt sad and lonely and hopeless, even though it's like I had, people would tell me all the time, like they would call me perfect. And it was, it was, um, it was like validating of what I thought like the mask I was wearing, you know, but at the same time, it was so isolating because it was like no one could see I was actually struggling and I was I was doing it to myself. But um, I think like signs to look for are just, you know, there was no sign that I was really, truly happy and I wasn't because I was defining myself by things completely outside myself. Um, And I just, you know, I hid I hid my struggles really well. And so I think it would have been hard for people to people to tell. But um, I think that just the number one thing to look for is that, like, I there was nothing authentic or happy about the way I was living my life. So how did you when was it your parents who finally said, maybe let's get some help? Or did you like were you brave enough to say to somebody there's something really not right with me. I can't, I just can't get to this quote unquote normalcy. And is that how you found help or, or what was it that, you know, finally got you to the point of asking? Yeah. So I did ask for help at a few points throughout my life and I was receiving, um, help in like various ways, but then my struggles kind of escalated and I, it was after my third psychiatric hospitalization in like the course of two months, Um, I was 16 and my parents finally made the decision that I needed more help than I had been getting at home. And so that's when they sent me to the long-term treatment program in Arizona. And initially I was really devastated and angry and upset because even though I, I knew I needed help, it was like, I was still so attached to the image that I'd created of myself back home. And I getting sent somewhere else for a long time, where I didn't know anybody and like I knew I was going to have to dive into some deep work that was so terrifying because it was just straight into the unknown and so after I arrived which would make sorry what so much worse it could make your anxiety so much worse that here you are you know not knowing where you're going and yeah you know yeah it was definitely scary but once I arrived and I all the people there those girls who I met there became like my best friends and the people who were working there, I realized that they really just wanted to help me recover and heal. And after I was there for a while and finally process, you know, like I did have to process the anger and I had to process the resentment. Um, But once I let that pass through, like I realized what a privilege it was to have this radical time and space to heal in this way. And I just, somehow found gratitude <laughs> okay so yeah i i somehow was able to tap into i think it was that 
one day, you know, for a long time in my life, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be alive. And there was this one morning that I woke up and just the first thought that I had was like, I don't want to feel so bad anymore. And I didn't even feel like it was me who was thinking it, but I had this thought and I got out of bed and I walked outside and it was still really early in the morning, but the sun was rising. And I swear, like, I've never seen a sunrise like this. Like, the entire whole sky was just this bright, vibrant, like, purple, pink, orange color. And that was shining down on everything. And everything, like, the world was just glowing. And it was the first moment that I was grateful in forever. And that moment of gratitude and just being in awe of nature it really pulled me out of my own head and um and I just realized how grateful I was to be alive and that was such a powerful moment and that gratitude really guided me through the year that I spent there um because even though it was hard and I was doing a lot of work that was oftentimes painful even though it was also healing like I I had to be grateful to embrace that experience. So do you want to give the facility a shout out or? or yeah. Still- yeah, no, I love shout that. Out. Shout out to Spring Ridge Academy. <laughs> I, um, yeah. I go back there often and I, they hold these really incredible workshops um, for the girls and like self-development workshops and trainings that I loved when I went through and I go back and um, I volunteer there and, um, I'm so grateful for that place. Where is it located? Which, which city in Arizona? It's located in a city called Mayer, Arizona. It's in between like Phoenix and Prescott. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you actually said Prescott, right? So that's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. when I first, I live in Arizona. I live in Lakeside. So, um, it's a little bit past Solo. Actually, it's like Tri-Town, Solo, Pine Top, and Lakeside. Oh, when okay. I first moved to Arizona, yeah, when I first moved to Arizona, and I would call it, it and people would get so upset because it was, I call it Prescott, and they're like, <laughs> it's Prescott, like, Prescott, like biscuit, and I'm like, okay, okay, yeah, sorry, so that shows you actually, yeah, the Arizona sky, oh my god, when I first moved here, because, you know, I moved here after a traumatic experience with, um, just a traumatic experience, which if you go back into my show, you can figure out what that was all about, but um, mm-hmm. Me and my dog moved cross country in like three days, loaded up the U-Haul and just booked from Connecticut to Arizona. And I swear if it hadn't been for the night sky in Arizona, I would have just lost my mind because yeah. I was um, off the grid for six months and I just trying to regroup. And um, Arizona has a quality for healing. I can't explain what it is, if it's mm-hmm. all the vortices or what, but it's a very healing environment out here. So um I'm glad that I'm glad that you found that out here as well. Yeah, I totally know what you mean. It's just like so vast and vibrant and there's something about like how enormous that sky is out there. That's like, it's so powerful. It's hugely powerful. And I understand that purple, pink, orange, um, because we're in that time of year now where it's starting to become spring. So the sky is just becoming more and more beautiful. Yes. Um, And, And after the snow, because we've had snow up here um, in the White Mountains like pretty much the whole season and I love snow I come from Connecticut I get it but it's like okay time for the flowers to start coming up now and 
you know, let's get into, mm-hmm. let's get into I'm done with snow. Okay, so when did you discover your musicianship? Did you always know that you were a musician or did this come during your healing time in Arizona or were you using it to express yourself even prior to that? Yeah, you know, the whole singer-songwriter thing really was part of my healing journey and I I've always loved to perform and um as a kid I was like dancing a lot and doing theater um but and then I first picked up a guitar in seventh grade but I never was able to write anything um I was just I would just like learn guitar and play other people's songs even though I wanted to write songs um I just didn't have I didn't have the spark and then um it was the day I wrote my first song was actually the day that I found out I was being sent to Arizona and it's one of my favorite stories because it really defined it was like the inception of my mission my mission is creation for connection um in all the songwriting and the mental health work that I do and so the day that I found out I was getting sent to Arizona, I was in a, a different like temporary treatment center with a bunch of other kids. And a lot of us from that place were going on to different, different treatment centers and we weren't going home. And so when I got the news that I wasn't going home and I was really upset, somehow I ended up with my guitar and I was sitting in the hallway and the first song I ever wrote called How I Feel, just it just came through and it felt like um like I didn't even have to try to write it it just came through to me and I started playing it and a bunch of other kids were sitting in the hallway with me and we were singing the song together and the song's all about not going home and it's all about loss and it's all about the way that sometimes we don't appreciate what we have until we can no longer have it um and so we were all just sitting there and some of us were crying and some of us were singing along um but it was just such a powerful moment of creation for connection where it, it was bittersweet, but we were all feeling each other so much. And we weren't even talking, we were just singing and there was just this music. And after I wrote that first song, it like unlocked all the other songs to come. And so over the next year that I spent in Arizona, that's when I wrote nearly all the songs that just came out on my first album that came out in January and I continue to write music and it continues to be a wonderful outlet for me very healing very honest um and it was just such a powerful such a powerful coping mechanism while I was going through some hard things in my life yeah music is extremely healing um is that are you taking music therapy courses along with um this major that you're that you've created or yes well that it will be part of what you do yeah yeah music is is vitally important as far as I'm concerned for any kind of healing or any kind of grief you could be going through like music always just seems to touch the soul in such a strong way that there's like things you think you can never get through and then you have a song that comes up and for some reason like it rewires like your your brain like the the tonality of it like hits these parts of your that need to be hit and it's like all of a sudden you're like yeah I can get through this it might not be easy but I've got this go-to song that resets me and we'll be okay so yes I didn't 
yeah, it's it's so key. I I mean, I completely agree with you. Um, you know, I'm a musician. I started on tuba. Oh wow. Grade. Yeah, I know. I was accepted to Juilliard by seventh grade, but then my dad died, so I mean, I have my own stuff that happened. Yeah. But I, I think without music, I just don't know how people would survive. I mean, the music has been part of our the history of humanity since the beginning. I know. You know? It's like it's like God knew, like, well, I'm going to give these people stuff that they're not going to be able to get through, but I'm going to give them this tool that's going to help them to um to go through it. That is so true. So, um, isn't it? So anybody who's looking to listen to, I don't, what is the name? Does it have a name? The album? Uh, Sorry, what did you say? You there? Yeah. Okay, Can hold you? on a sec. I just lost you. Hi. So we be back. I, I'm glad I warned you about this because this is a pain in the just a pain in the butt. Um, so the name of your album is Ray Du Soleil. Uh, it's just, so it's your it's your it's your name. Mm-hmm. And anybody who's listening, you can find it on Spotify. It's there, and probably in all the like all the you know regular places that people look to stream their music at, right? Or yes. And can they also buy it from you if they want the CD or is it just the Yeah. Yeah, on my website, raydusole.com, um, you can get CDs and you can also get other merch. Yeah, I've seen your I, I've seen your hoodie or your crop top hoodie. It's like, yeah, I'll probably be mm-hmm. doing that sometime shortly. <laughs> so, so everybody go support Ray. Um, the song that, because I just discovered the Spotify last night that the whole album had dropped and um. I haven't had a chance to listen to the whole thing yet. Um, I apologize for that, but I love you close on my playlist right between Yellow Wolf and Band of Horses. There you are. So, um, oh, thank you. <laughs> and I, I love it. I love the jazzy. It's kind of like a jazz feel to it, and um, I don't know. I just I love it, and it fits my playlist perfectly. So I just want my listeners. I encourage you all to go out and, you know listen to her and um and i like i said she's on spotify and all the usual places so go check her out it's r-a-e-d-u-s-o-l-e-i-l for those of you that may not know french um (laughs) (laughs) but um let's give a shout out to your band if you want to who is in your band yeah so when i perform i'm a solo artist but the people who appear um, in the recordings with me, Ben Bernstein was my incredible producer. There was um, Jason Sloda on on percussion, and then Kirby Hamill on keys. Yeah, I mean, it's like you guys just really vibe. Um, I mean, like when you do your live, are you doing lives? Are you on still in school right now? You're not break the semester, so you're not actually touring, or are you touring? I'm not touring currently. I have some exciting dates coming up um, this spring and summer, though, which will be posted on my website very shortly. Um, but currently, I'm making it through the quarter, and then um, I'm going to record some new tunes over spring break, though, and then perform. Yeah, so everybody keep an eye out on her um, on her website so that when she does tour, if she comes to your area, go check her out. Um, so as a... As- a member of Generation Z, which is like, wow. Yeah. Do <laughs> you think that the stigma is becoming lessened within your generation due to, like, 
you know, so many pop stars coming out and like admitting that they have um, a mental health diagnosis, like, you know, Demi Lovato or even Justin Bieber. I'm, we don't have to talk about his music, but just, <laughs> you know, just him coming out like very recently and saying, you know, and admitting to the fact that he's not okay. Yeah. Do you think that's helping to break the stigma? I do think it's really important for people in those positions, people with so much influence to be vulnerable and honest. Because I think what that does is that normalizes the fact that everybody struggles. Because also, like, fame and fortune is a very glorified thing, I think, for those who don't have it. But the reality of that is often less glorious than it looks. And so I just think there's a lot of power to people like Justin Bieber, like Demi Lovato saying, I'm a real person and I struggle too. I think that that's powerful. And I, I do see the stigma. I, I see the stigma lessening. It's still there. But as the stigma lessens, I think it's important that the structures that support people and their mental health, um, I think those structures need to continue to improve because the stigma, the stigma can lessen only to an extent for it to like make a difference because people can accept the fact, we can accept the fact that we struggle with mental health, but like if we don't have the tools to help get better, um, then like the stigma lessening has less of an impact. So yeah, I think it's great that those pop stars are coming out and saying that they struggle I just hope that the that the larger structures can keep improving for people. I agree with you. I mean, um, not to not to like you know push another star, but have you heard Halsey's new one, Manic? Have you listened to any of that yet? I haven't listened to it. Do you recommend? Yeah, totally. I totally recommend. Cool. Um, um, like I don't. I won't listen to. I won't listen to Justin Bieber. But I do give him props for, I mean, even the TV show he's doing and stuff like that. And, you know, I just think it's so direly important that we keep pushing this agenda. I hate that word, but it is an agenda Mm -hmm. of the destigmatization of having a mental health diagnosis um, in our society. Agreed. And any way possible that we can help to make it easier for, well, like your generation coming up and then the generation behind you. Where, like, say at the age of, you know, 12, you know that you're not feeling okay, and you can go to your high school guidance counselor, or or even parents who may not know how to legitimately handle it well, and just let them know, like, I don't feel okay, Um, and the suicide epidemic in our country is just outrageous. I know. Isn't it? It's just, I mean, I don't know, like, how to stop that. I'm trying my best to, like, within my website and my podcast and all that, to, like, have people choose life yeah um you know i mean in your generation what do you think is the biggest catalyst for people that is it disconnection do you think is it social media that makes people like just feel so uninvolved in the world yeah what do you you know i can really only speak for myself when i was struggling with that and the whole not wanting to be alive thing for me it was really just feeling like so alone, like you said, like disconnected, um, because I looked connected on the outside, but there was no real substance to my connections with people. Um, And because there was, I wasn't, I was never vulnerable, people didn't know the real me. 
and that left me feeling so alone and I wasn't able to get the empathy I needed for what I was going through and um Go ahead. oh I was just gonna say that I don't know exactly what that thing is for everyone and it might be different but I definitely wonder about that a lot because I just found out that um like one of my friends from childhood who I'd lost close touch with but we grew up together um she committed suicide recently and it really gets me wondering like what is what is that thing for people that um that really just leaves people feeling like there's no will to live because I was there too but I'm just not sure if it's the same for everyone you know I don't know that it's the same for everyone but I think that moment of decision is very similar for any of us that have struggled with yeah. that. But I just, I, I guess what I'm trying to figure out is how to break that and what it is that we as a society need to be doing in order to stop this pandemic of, you know, people taking their own lives. And we were, so we talk about the coronavirus and how it's a pandemic. Now, if we could just look at suicide in that same way and be so willing to go out and help people and like find like a vaccine for suicide, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I'm, sounds ridiculous well it doesn't sound ridiculous it's like there has to be something that we as a society can do to help stop this and I just think like what we're doing right now and putting it out there in people's faces and being like you don't need to die there are options but then again now it comes back to the resources that people may not even know are available to them exactly um right and it's like and so what do we you're a younger generation than I am I'm considered I'm considered the lost generation. <laughs> you know, we're like, I was born in 65. So we're like this generation of hippie. Well, I'm not, I'm not a hippie necessarily, but of people who were brought up to not talk about our yes. problems. We, you know, it's state, whatever happens stays in the family. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, stigma is huge in that. Um, but I just, I don't, you know, intergenerationally, I just wish that we could figure out what it is that we can do to just, make it so that people are less afraid to say hey I'm feeling really bad this is on my mind I'm having ideations I'm cutting I'm drinking too much I'm drugging too much I'm whatever too much yeah to compensate for what's in my head that I don't know how to fix yeah so I think like your major try to hit kids before the age of seven I think that is so so key and what you know these kids coming up that maybe we can like nip it in the bud a little bit. I mean, suicide is always going to be part of our choice, you know, that we have the, the, the will to do what we want to. But I mean, there has to be a way to start nipping it. And I think that this major you've created, like, could so help this generation coming up. I mean, I commend you for, I, I don't know how the heck you came up with that idea, but I, I, I mean, honest to God, like, what was it? How did you come up with it? Like, let's just talk about that for a minute. How did you come up with yeah, it? Yeah, I, oh, I think after I had my experience receiving so much help and having it feeling like it was actually effective, like, of course, healing is never linear and I continue to work like every, every day um, on myself, but it had just such a drastic impact on the level of joy that I could feel in my life. And um, that struck me so much and then going and seeing people I care about and love and even just knowing that so many people 
don't find that relief. Um, it really, it really unsettles me that there are not consistent structures in our society to support people who are struggling with their mental health. And so I knew that when I went to college that I didn't, I wanted to make something new because I think that something new needs to exist in order to solve the problems. Cause like based on results, what, what we have pre-existing already isn't working for as many people as it needs to work for. And so I found this program at Western Washington University. Um, it's a college within the university called Fairhaven where I can design my own, my own major. And so I basically, it's an interdisciplinary concentration. So I get to pick multiple fields of study and then integrate them into one major. And it really, it feels very intuitive, like just based on my life experience, the direction that I've been led um, academically is just a reflection of my inner world pretty much. And I love that I can, I love that I can align the two. Yeah, I think it's amazing. Um, yeah, I've, I'm, I'm totally impressed by you and um, it gives me, it gives me hope and I hate to say this, but it gives me hope for the generation coming up where it's been so maligned that, you know, y'all are just, you know, not into like saving the world. It's all about you, you, you and everything. And it's so refreshing to hear you talk about how you want to help society. And, you know, maybe we've got the wrong impression of, you know, your generation coming up. Maybe, maybe we're <laughs> wrong. Maybe you guys are totally on ball and we're just, we're just not seeing what it is that you all are capable of, you know, bringing into our society. So, um, you know, thank you for giving us hope that, you know, that our world as we know it actually has the potential to become way better due to your generation coming Yeah, I, I feel that hope too. So thank you. And I think, I think about a lot, like I, I spend a lot of my time on my college campus and I look around and I'm like, we are the next generation of parents, you know, if we choose to have children. But it's pretty crazy to know, like, I'm part of that next generation of parents and so is so are the people around me and how knowing that when it comes to trauma like what doesn't pass through passes down and right. knowing that there has to be some way for us to be able to um to start to heal and so that the children of the future um have hopefully a more resilient time than we did that's that's what I want to create and there's so much hope in that it might take a lot of work but I'm I'm here for it yeah no I you totally are I mean have you actually thought much about like going into public speaking I mean because you're very well spoken and you're very you. intelligent I think you know you're welcome and so you're a sophomore so you've got two years left to go on yeah. your major um what do you do you plan to like set up practice or do you are you going to go on like public speaking to help people understand or set up your own um group type thing where you'd like teach online this situation or what is how what are your plans to, to you know push your push your major yeah your so actually school? very recently it's it's really new um but I'm super excited about it I 
partnered with a woman who's been working in this community here for like 40 years as a resilience coach and an educator. And um, she has been facilitating healing groups, community-based groups for people for years and years now. And I partnered with her and her and I are designing community-based programs for stress reduction and emotional resilience. And we are going to start these groups at my university and also bring them to the larger community here. And um, so that's in the works and that's alongside. So that's like the practicum um, that I'm just doing on my own for as I design this major, because I'm like, I can't design something without, um, without the real life experience. And I know that as I begin to design these groups and facilitate them, I'm gonna learn even more than I am in these classrooms. So oh, yeah, absolutely. and also working <laughs> with someone who's had years and years of experience. Um, I'm, really, I'm really grateful for the opportunity and I'm so excited because this is really all that I wanna do with my life. And yesterday we were actually presenting this idea to the counseling center at my university. And I was giving this presentation and um, I, haven't, I hadn't thought much about public speaking before, but it feels so good. This is just where all my passion is and it feels so good to talk about it. And <laughs> so I was presenting to them and they were like, so are you just doing this? Are you wanting to start these groups as like a school project or what? And basically what I said is like, well, it contributes to what I'm learning about at school, but this feels like my life's work. So yes and no, like this is so much bigger than my academic career. This is like just what I want to do with my life. Um, no, it is huge than the academic career. I mean, this could be like life changing for so many people. I mean, like, I mean, you could, you could switch the whole like flow of, of everything for people with this, you know, I mean, you, you are like the drop in the ocean that's creating ripples that's going to affect generations to come. I mean, honestly, you may not be able to see how big it is yet, and maybe that's good, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think what you're doing could definitely help to change our world. Thank you. I hope so. I can tell you right now. So, is there anything else you want to shout out, or um, you know, give give credit to, or say to the audience before we end this? And or yeah, again, so. um, <laughs> just that. Well, thank you, Don, for having me on your show. It's been such a pleasure talking to you and to everyone listening. I just want to say thank you for listening, and that there. There's so much hope and there's so much love. And um, I, yeah, I appreciate everyone who tuned into this. Yeah, well, we appreciate you. And um, again, I'm going to push it. Go listen to our album, Ready to Soleil, available on all the major players. Um, and support her music. And you also have poetry out there? Um, coming, coming out, out. yes. Oh, okay. So do you have a date, a, a date on that? Or, I mean, you're, you're, not like you're not busy enough doing everything else. Yeah. Um, the the <laughs> written poetry is in the works. Um, yeah, but there's lots of audio poetry on the album. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to listen to the album. I mean, I I regret just discovering it last night on Spotify, and I was like, oh my gosh, it was like <laughs> no in the morning when I found it, and I was like. 
Oh, no way. So, but I mean, like I said, I Love You Close is definitely um, on heavy rotation on my playlist. So um, you've got talent, you've got talent, you've got brains and you have inspiration. So um, I see you going really, really far. Thank you so much, Don. Welcome. So we're going to conclude this and everybody go check her out, ladiesolay.com and um, hit her (laughs) up, buy her merch and support her because people, she's going places and um, let's all get on her bandwagon. So I want to thank you, Ray. Now you can go chill. (laughs) Will do. Thank you so much. (laughs) Have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye.